A very merry draftmas to you. Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show, and it's the first draft sh show that we've done since the KC Draft Guide released. It has been a whirlwind of a couple days. Thank you guys so much for your response to this thing. It's been really cool to see uh, your comments and how many of you have actually purchased it. So thank you guys so much. And uh, really excited to talk about the draft with you. And here to help me do it are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Merry Draftmist to you, Jake. And uh, it's been a big week, huh? It's been a big week. It's been a fun week. You know, uh, <clears throat> a tough week as well. You know, as you may have noticed, guys, Craig Stout isn't with us tonight because Kent actually had to fire him from the <laughs> from the draft guy. A lot of negative feedback about how negatively Craig grades all of his players. So just we had to cut ties with Craig Stout. Just um, pure hate. Yeah, pure hate for all the players. Uh and I'm, I'm obviously joking. Our, our dear pal Craig is not with us tonight, and uh, so uh, we are gonna press on without him. We're actually gonna do a little a little mock draft because Craig hates mock drafts, so um, we're gonna knock that out while he's not here. Uh, and so to clarify, Craig didn't get fired; he's just not here. Maddie, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I, I'm just dying because I mean, you are correct. Craig Craig does not like many prospects unless their name is monty rice and <laughs> outside of monty rice greg is not a fan greg of island guys oh yeah big greg island guy big monty rice guy so like that's about it uh yeah craig i think is like out saving mars from destruction or something like that so he will be back with us hopefully later this week but uh yeah big big mock draft day here without the renaissance man it just doesn't feel complete without craig scrambling to google rosters when it's his turn to make us turn to make a selection we're not doing the same kind of mock draft that we did earlier um on the ap lab where we just went with all high fits what we're doing this week is we are going dueling mock drafts we're all gonna pick the first three picks of the draft none of us know who we selected with each pick so there's a good chance because we all like similar players that we might wind up with similar the same players um there is a lot of different ways that this thing can go. It's, I think it's actually going to be a unique way to show you a variety of scenarios that can be presented uh, for the first two days of the draft for your Kansas City Chiefs. We all used different mock draft simulators, and we have a rule around here. Uh, we've been we've applied it the last couple of years. And this is something I think people should should try to do too. When you are doing a mock draft, and I think we've talked about this before, when you're doing a mock draft, take the top five names off the board when you're using one of these mock draft simulators, just in case a Justin Fields is for some reason there. But it also presents different challenges and makes it a little bit more difficult for you to try to navigate um, your boards. Uh, it's a good practice and it's something that we've been doing for a long time around here. So we took the top five names off the board in each round. We all use different mock draft simulators. Should be an interesting uh, experiment. So we're going to go with the 31st pick in the draft. And Jake, you present your guy. First pick, 30, 31, who you got? Yeah, I went ahead and took Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami. Just kidding, I didn't take him. I was hoping, <laughs> to, get more, I was hoping to get more of a reaction out of you guys on that. No, I was um, so really hoping you were kidding. I'm joking, yeah. Even uh, though, like, here's the, here's the thing. Brevin Jordan got a really good grade in the KC Draft Guide. but He's good. He's a good football player. I just don't know if I would wind up taking it, especially after the athletic testing. 
I was going to say, I do think the guide came out before we could finalize mm-hmm. his athletic testing, which I do think would have dropped him a little bit in the He's draft still... guide. Because I know when I graded him, I gave him a relatively good athletic score, and it came mm-hmm. out as uh, not so not good. So much. Yeah, he looks like a good athlete. But now we're talking about Brevin Jordan, and I didn't even pick him. Uh, <laughs> I love that Brevin Jordan gets the segment, and he's not even maybe going to be – I don't know what you guys picked. Uh, so uh, at 31, with the five guys off the board, that took off – I'm just going to go ahead and say that took off That took off Tevin Jenkins. That took off uh, Cosme at the offensive tackle position. But it, that is where the value lied in my particular draft. Um, so I, I think I hit a single here, right? I'm not swinging for the fences on this, but I took offensive tackle center guard Dylan Radons out of North Dakota State. Um, and I just think, you know, if if the board falls the way, way it did, um, here's a pick that I think maybe you're taking him a little bit high, um, but I think you're taking a good player. And I think you're taking a player that, could fit, you know, could fix an immediate need and a long-term need for the Chiefs. And I think he's a guy that um, can play, you know, potentially all five spots on the offensive line. So you find a spot for him. And I think eventually um, with Rado, he ends up at center uh, for this Chiefs team. And you have a guy that I think if he ends up at center, he could be a potential, you know, Pro Bowl level player at that position. Um, and I think that's basically, you know, that's kind of what makes this like, oh, cool. You know, they took a guy that's going to play center, right? Uh, but he's going to be a good player. So that was my pick at 31 uh, was Dylan Radens, um kicking it off to Matthew here. Or are we going to do grades? Are we going to do thumbs up, thumbs down, like gladiator style on these on these picks? I think we all have comments to make on each other's picks, at least. I don't know okay. if we're grading them, but I'm going okay. to let Maddie, let's let Maddie have his thoughts here. I do like that you went ahead and flushed out that, you know, he probably ends up on the interior because I do would agree with that for the Chiefs. I do think uh, maybe it would give maybe he would have a year or two to try to play on the outside. But I really do think Raiden's would end up playing guard or center for the Chiefs for the long term if he was to stay here. And that's not a bad thing that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, get back. I, to I was just going to say, you know, I know that the North Dakota State staff thinks his best position is center and uh, NFL teams even s- w- approached the staff and said, um, give us some tape for him at center. So he actually took practice reps at center uh, last year. And there's film of him that NFL teams have um, that they basically requested because that's the position that I think most people would just kind of assume he is going to end up at. And I believe it was Greg Cosell early this week, and I forget which podcast I heard it on, but I'm pretty sure it was him talked about when he was watching Raiden, the first thing that popped in his mind was Mitch Morse, who played tackle at Missouri, who went to the Chiefs, ended up playing center, who I know is a fan favorite. So there's a few connections there, drawing from people well-informed around the NFL that he might also be conceived a little bit as a center kind of guy. So like I, I agree. I think that's likely where he ends up at some point in time in the NFL, which that's where my concern would come in. If you're the Chiefs and you're going out there and setting the highest, you know, new market value for the best guard in the league and then bringing in like 13 other guards in free agency to use your first round pick on a guy that is, especially if you're one of the teams that sees him best as a center, that's a lot of investment in the interior offensive line while not putting as much on the outside. I get that he could work out out there. I just, I do think that he's going to end up on the interior and first round pick on an interior offensive lineman for the Chiefs right now. That's a tough pill to swallow for me. Man, I like that Mitch Morse comp a lot. That's very, very interesting. But I think, you know, what I do, you know, you, I think you got to take, you got to try to take a swing 
on a tackle or someone that potentially could play tackle if you're the Chiefs. And I think this is where it gets a very interesting for them. They need to address that position outside at tackle and the pickings and, and the framework for trying to grab one is not particularly great for them right now, point blank. And I think that's where it gets interesting. Uh, all right, Maddie, pick 31. Lay it on us. So for my pick, the qualm was once, you know, you looked at the board and who was left, the tackles that were there maybe weren't the best offensive tackle prospects for the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't really fit the Andy Reid mold. So I had to not take a tackle in the first round, which I think is okay, because I think there are some nice names that could be had on day two. That is a possibility. So I ended up with defensive end out of Miami, Jalen Phillips had fallen down. I don't know if it's the injury concerns, but my draft board had him well outside the top five guys remaining. I do know there are some major questions about his health. People wonder about him retiring from football, so maybe that's why he was down there. But if he's sitting there 31, I am sprinting to the podium because I don't think there's a edge rusher in this class that has a better blend of size, hand technique, and athleticism than Jalen Phillips. I think he can come in and play, especially on passing downs right away, but he's going to be a three-down player sooner rather than later. I think um, this is kind of a single that you have a chance to stretch to an inside the Parker because it is that home or good of a pick from day one, and his upside is incredibly high. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit worried about Jalen Phillips. I'm probably the most scared of Jalen Phillips of anybody in this group. And I will say this, though. The athletic profile... Man, he showed out at his pro day. It matches with the tape. There's probably even a little bit more explosion and power than I thought even watching him on tape. And he earned a first-round grade from us, and I get why. Um, but there is definitely some concerns with him um, that, you know, it's does he, you know, it, there's questions about his how much he loves football. There's questions about his injury history, the medical retirement. I mean, there's so many, so many questions that you have to – address with him but the talent is undeniable with this guy and I get why you would take a swing this late because the the hit you know the the chance to hit on this profile and and, and this kind of talent you're not going to find this guy late in the 30s very often nope yeah I, I like that I would absolutely take Phillips over Ray Dunce if he would have been there in my mock draft as well and you look at it this way you know we don't give out first round grades like candy in the KC draft guide and the fact that Phillips earned a first round grade from us and he's there at 31 I think it's kind of speaks to the fact that if they're going to be rigid with their with their board and say hey we're going to stick to this and he's there uh chances are he's the best player on the board by with a bullet you know uh, so I think him in Kansas City as well is is a pretty pretty nice fit too. And you want to talk about um, Brett Veach's tendency to swing for the fence? There you go. You know that's that's exactly what this pick would be. It is it is not a single like Raydunce would be. This is a I'm swinging for the fences. I'm hoping for a very high upside pass rusher. So I like that pick. I could live with that. Uh yeah. If Jalen Phillips was would have been on the board. At 31 for me, I would have taken a chance on Dylan Radins or on uh, on him, but I actually went with Dylan Radins as well, and I went between him and Diami Brown. Uh, I am looking at the board. I the edge board wasn't great for for me when I was looking at my at my mock draft, and I thought about Joe Tryon a little bit. Um, I thought a little bit about uh, Diami Brown, but I ultimately went with Dylan Radins. 
And I think it's just looking at the board and how, how the board was falling and the concerns about arm length and all that stuff. I just had some, some worries that I wasn't going to be able to identify a developmental tackle that could potentially play sooner rather than later. And I just wanted to get that, that position to need out of the way right away. So yes, I drafted for, I drafted for need point blank. Interestingly enough, Dylan Radins had 33 and a quarter inch arms, uh, which is slightly below the top, our top twenties average at the tackle position. Um, it's on the lower side of what Andy Reed prefers. He, um, has grabbed players or or played players he's paid players significantly significantly with arm lengths like that at 33 and a quarter inch arms but they've been free agents they've been guys that have proven their ability to play with the arm length that they've been given he typically covets a little bit longer arm length you can find that info in the casey draft guide um I too wonder if Raiden's eventually kicks inside but I think that I think the way the board fell for me I think I needed to look and see, you know, the Chiefs. I needed the Chiefs to try to take a, a swing at the tackle position, uh, and I'm not overly confident that he's going to ultimately stick there. But I think they had to at least try to identify a, a potential tackle, and that was the guy that, that made sense. He's sitting 40th overall on our board in the KC Draft Guide. Right, I think with him, it would absolutely be a pick where you say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to take him. Um, he's a you know plus you know 90th percentile athlete at the offensive tackle position." We're going to try him there, right? We're going to try him, see if he can swim at offensive tackle. And if he can't, we know that we really like him inside as well. So let's see if we can go ahead and address our offensive tackle need. And if he can play there, great, you know, great, awesome. Like you found a, a right tackle or a left tackle. And if not, um, you know, you have a, you have other options for him as well. So I just think, you know, it just makes a lot of sense at that point in the draft. So, and for me, this is something that scares me because if Jalen Phillips wasn't there on mine, I probably wouldn't have ended up with Raidens, but I didn't love the other options if Jalen Phillips wasn't going to be there. And I think there's an unfortunate chance that the Chiefs end up in this spot to where you are going to be reaching a little bit for a guy that makes sense for your team. Like, I mean, Kent said right there, he was kind of deciding between Raidens and the Diami Brown, who I like. But at the end of the first round, that would be an equally hard pill to swallow for me as well. So it's just... The Chiefs might not be in as good of a spot at 31 as we kind of thought, and that includes five quarterbacks going, you know, in the first 10 picks of this draft. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, you know, to see how the board shakes up for them. And it's just so many questions about how a lot of these really talented offensive linemen are viewed by not only the Chiefs, but the National Football League. You know, Elijah Vera Tucker's got very tiny arms. Are they forcing him inside? Same with Jalen Mayfield. Those are two guys that are in the top 25 for us right now. And the Brady Christensen's of the world who draft Twitter has lit on fire, you know, with he's going to be a top 75 pick. Now he's going to be this, he's going to be that. The NFL has seen his tape. His tape's good. Uh, The NFL knew he was an athlete. He was a a fantastic athlete yet. There's still, I just feel like, you know, the NFL is still not going to be as high as him on him as, as we are. So it's just there's guys like that. You know, he's that, got guard arms. He's got he's mm-hmm. got arms as short as Elijah Vera Tucker. He has some of the shortest arms for the tackles that we have graded. I mean, it's just it's it's such a weird board for this team. 
And Do, does anybody remember if there was any linebackers or what linebackers were available at their pick? Because I think along with tackle linebacker in this draft class, that's probably going to be one of your best options for the best player available. Zaven Collins was on the board yeah. for me. Same. I would not want Zaven Collins over a swing on Dylan Radins. Nick Bolton was also there too for me. It's just like, I, th- I mean, it's a good linebacker class and it's a good tackle class. So I think those are two of the deeper, better positions that you are probably going to be looking at a best player available type at the top of it. But I don't know if I or the Chiefs, especially for the Chiefs, feel super comfortable with some of the guys that are going to be there. Just I think it's interesting to look at this draft class at two of those stronger positions like that and the kind of guys that you're going to have to pass on at 31. Maddie, yeah, and look- honest, I was just going to say the guy that I tossed up between Radunts was uh, Jamin Davis, the Kentucky linebacker. But I just didn't like yeah. him. You know, I just didn't like him at that spot. So if you're staring at Dylan Radins, Diami Brown, and Joe Tryon, are you trading back, Maddie? I mean, probably, yeah. If those are the three most notable guys, you know, I mean, if we worked this backwards, I'm sure somebody else would have to be there. But like, just in hypothetically, if those are your best guys, yeah, I'm trading out. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'd take Landon Dickerson, even with the injury concerns or something else by trading out. I would not choose one of those three guys at 31. And, and I'm thinking, you know, what quarterback fell? If for someone who's going to want to move up, if that's what the board looks like, you know, because the Chiefs could go in a lot of different directions too. So if one of these guys, you know, these positional guys fell, like, why wouldn't the Chiefs take them? You know, why would they trade back out of that? Um, and if the board looks like that, that's that's what's tough for me to, to try to sift through is so who is moving up it's for just, that? It's also just like not every guy that's available is necessarily a fit for this team too. And like I think that's where get, things get a little tricky. Well, and I think at 31, there's a chance somebody could be trading up for the first running back off the board, the first defensive tackle off the board. And those are two positions that I don't think the Chiefs would look at. Not that they're the best positions in the draft, just you know, a team might be interested in getting their guy at either one. Maybe there's you know just a specific play, a specific corner or something left. That's all. But I would agree most likely if those are the three best players that the Chiefs would like, then there's probably not a lot of guys left that the rest of the NFL would like. And again, you know, taking the top five guys off the board is a way to help create some of this conflict and really make you think. But it also helps you kind of come to, I don't want to say a compromise, but my least favorite thing about doing mock drafts is, you know, oh my, I got Jalen Waddle at 31 and I got, you know, Dylan Radins at 63 and I got, you know, Jalen Phillips at 93 because like sometimes the simulators are just off. And that's, I think, top, taking the top five guys makes it a little bit of a challenge and makes you compromise and think through things. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will talk about picks 63 and 94 right after this. All right, we're continuing our dual mock drafts, and we just got done talking about the first round. We are all making separate picks. None of us have heard each other's picks. This is all fresh and new to all of us. Let's talk about pick 63. Maddie, you went with Jalen Phillips, the edge out of Miami with pick 31. What do you have in store at pick 63 for us? Well, not getting an offensive tackle in the first round. I knew I was kind of going to be pinned into a corner taking a tackle in the second round. And when we got around to this pick, I actually felt pretty good about a lot of my options. And I happened to find a guy that I think is pretty darn close to what Andy Reid prefers to draft or to sign free agency at the offensive tackle position. 
The issue is I am just stacking up potential injury risks on this draft class because I'm taking offensive tackle Walker Little out of Stanford. I'm taking big swings if I'm Brett Veach. I'm getting these Jalen Phillips, Walker Little, both five-star recruits coming out of high school. They actually went up against each other during one of those football camps before getting into college. You know, these guys are elite physical talents. They've looked good on the football field. You're just dealing with guys that have injury issues off the field. And if you're the Chiefs, I completely understand why you would be concerned about that moving forward after what just happened last year. But sometimes the talent just speaks louder. We are trying to get back to the Super Bowl. You do that by drafting the best players. I just like how the reason the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl is because they had a ton of attrition. And now you've just taken two massive swings on injury risk players. Now, For what it's worth, Walker Little's had one injury that we know of in his football playing career, so I don't know if you can call him necessarily an injury risk. It's just he hasn't played since, like, 2019. That's true, but one injury. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not a lot of football there. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's fascinating. This is like this is a draft where, you know, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs are not good. The Chiefs are probably going to be picking close to 30, to the 30s for the next 12 years. So sometimes you got to get creative if you need an injection of of talent to potentially, you know, stockpile some blue chip players. And Maddie, you have absolutely given the Chiefs a couple chances at blue blue chip players. I don't know if it's going to work out, but Chiefs draft picks haven't really particularly worked out great anyway. There's not a ton of them in the Brett Veach era that are just slapping you upside the head with greatness. So taking swings on some guys like this, why not? I kind of get it. There, there's been some strikeouts anyway. Yeah, I guess keep swinging. I was just going to say, you know, this is Veach just putting his nuts on the table and saying, hey, I take big swings on players and I'm not stopping. It hasn't really worked out for me in the past. Um, I think we've talked about it. Like, Veach, it's okay to hit a single. You have the best quarterback on the planet. It's okay to hit a single and surround him with good players, right? Um but Derek Naughty, said, Derek Naughty, the only yeah. redeeming thing about the 2018 draft, solid single. Yep. Yep. Rounded, uh, rounded first pretty aggressively, though, because he's a good football player. He well, is he's, good. He's yep. thinking about he, it. He makes, he makes your team better, right? And Absolutely. All 32 teams in the NFL would be a better football team with Derek Naughty on their team. Um, Walker Little, though, I, I like Walker Little in this range because, like what Maddie's saying, he's kind of, he's just, he's an odd guy. He is a swing for the fence. He's not injury. He does have – he's got the one injury, and then he opted out. But if you go back to his sophomore tape, or is his freshman? I don't know. Whatever – the last time he played, if he continues on that trajectory to to playing the next two years, we're, I, I think he's in the conversation with um, Sewell and Slater as the top tackle in this draft. I mean, his, his, his tape as a, as a young player at Stanford is really good. And so it's just – you know, do you want to do you want to swing? Do you want to take that risk uh, and say, you know, he's going to be our right tackle this year? We believe in him to come in and start for this football team. That is a roll of the dice. And well, you still you he's got to be the left tackle or a a, a look at you know the outlook at left tackle because they I mean I think the Chiefs are more or less yeah. set with what they're trying to do there. Either way, you know, that's that's just a lot. That's a lot to ask of a guy that hasn't really played football in three years. So, to hey, go protect uh, the the best football player in the league. Like, go protect him. Cause, and if you don't, you saw what happened in the Super Bowl, you know? So, good luck, Walker Little. No little <laughs> task. 
you know. And I just want to uh, go back to the singles. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish. No, it. I was gonna say I I totally get your your process here though too because if you hit on him, excellent. You know, great football player. Um, could potentially be a top five left tackle in this league. It, you know, at the end of the second round. So why not? It's just, would you you would prefer to take him and have another plan? You know, this be this being your uh, your your backup plan. Like, hey, we got this kid that we think is talented. He probably isn't going to have to play right away. But that's not the case for the Chiefs here. Oh, it's cool. We signed Russell Okung to a Bitcoin contract uh, during the first night of the draft, so he doesn't have to start day one. So we're good. Uh, no, I just wanted to address the the singles remark. I agree that Brett Veach has not drafted that many singles, and it would have something that probably could have helped him along the way so far. Uh, the issue is the way the Chiefs' last few off-seasons have gone, I don't know if they can just have singles anymore. No. I actually think they have holes at very important positions, and singles at offensive tackle and defensive end don't really move the needle for you. Those are positions that singles, especially when like you're in the position they are with, Frank Clark's play status being a little up in the air with not really having any proven tackles. You can't just give me a single of an offensive tackle and a single of a defensive end. You need some actual stars at those positions. So that's kind of why I shied away from going with the single approach. No, I, and no, I get it. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're giving this team a chance at some blue chips. And because Brett Veach has drafted not the best or most consistent the last three years, they need an injection of talent at key positions. I 100% agree. Jake, where'd you go at pick 63? Uh, well, I mean, why don't the Chiefs just draft someone like David Bakhtiari in the fourth round? Why don't they just do that? I don't Let know. Why not? It seems seems easy. It does. Um, so I mentioned earlier at pick 31, um, I really was interested in Jermaine Davis. Again, the linebacker out of Kentucky. So I was thrilled when he was there at 63. Um, this was the easiest pick for me that I made. Um, I, I selected him at 63. Uh, he was the sixth player on the board, you know, doing the top five, take him off. Um, and I just, I like his upside at that position for the Chiefs. They took a guy like Willie Gay last year. I think Davis is similar in the, the, the in the sense of athleticism. Um, I think Davis is a, is a smart football player. Um, I think he, you know, does have concerns, some some similar concerns to Gay, though, in the sense of he's only a one-year starter. He hasn't played a ton of football in college, but man, he has got the tools. And uh, we're talking we're talking in baseball terms a bunch today. If Radunce is your single in round one, Davis is your home run swing in in round two. And um, I just I just like that fit on this defense. I think he uh, can do a lot in the middle of the field to help you know this defense cover up. You know, slot types, tight ends, backs out of the backfield. Um, he could be a guy that could come in and contribute in a limited capacity early and just kind of grow into that role for this team. So I really like Jameen Davis in this spot of the draft, getting him at the end of round two, right around where the Chiefs got Willie Gay last year. And I think Jameen Davis is a better prospect than Willie Gay was last year. So this is good value. I think it's the right spot. My concern is that the Chiefs just drafted Willie Gay in the exact same spot, and I think the two kind of play the same role on a defense. I think both guys are better off as your will linebacker. Neither guy are ready to stand pat in the middle of this defense, make the play calls, handle blockers coming through the middle, line of scrimmage, reading running backs in the run game very well, and that's been a huge weakness for the Chiefs. Anthony Hitchens has kind of been the only guy that can do it. So having Willie Gay and Jameen Davis, both one-year starters that I don't think showed a great grasp 
of how to handle the run game as a linebacker is a little scary going forward. But at the same time, I mean, put those two athletes on the field together. Let them run. Let that speed shine. Let their ability against the pass overtake this defense in the middle of the field. And I, I get it. Absolutely get it. So I can't complain about the value or anything like that. Just the fit with Willie Gay would be interesting to follow. All right. I'm going pick 63 here, and I'm sticking on offense. And I'm going with one of our favorite players in this entire draft. He is a my guy for all three of us. I'm going with tight end Tommy Trimble out of Notre Dame. We've talked a lot about him. Uh, even Craig kind of mentioned he, he – Tommy Triple very well could have got a day a, a my guy stamp from all of, from us as well or from him as well. So we could have really had four. We could have had a mega stamp uh, very easily on this guy. I know maybe, maybe we should make have Dane make a mega stamp next year. But Tommy Tremble, Notre Dame, uh, nasty blocker, great inline blocker, versatile piece that can you know play as an F, can play as a Y. Um, I think there's a lot of upside with him as a pass catcher. I think he's got a big catch radius, athletic pass catcher. There's a lot to like about this guy's game. Um, I am comfortable taking him as early as this 63rd pick. Uh, more than comfortable. Uh, I think this is a guy that he does things uh, differently than what Travis Kelsey does. Uh, gives them a better fit as a Y, a more dynamic fit as a Y with some actual pass catcher upside. Uh, I like the idea of getting this guy involved. I think Andy Reid would have a lot of fun utilizing this guy in a lot of different ways. Yep. Love it. Love the pick. Um, I, I, I don't mind picking him at 63 at all because I, he's the type of guy that I don't want to roll the dice. If I love him enough, why not take him at 63? Why wait till 94? Um, and like you said, he, he's going to offer so much, so much complimentary football to this football team, you know, with what Travis Kelsey can bring to the field as a pass catcher. Um, you get in that 12 personnel with Tommy Tremble, who I think has a ton of upside as a pass catcher as well, but he is going to come in from day one. And, you know, if his tape is any indication, should be able to be a very effective blocker from day one. So uh, love the pick, love the special team value he's going to add to this team as well. He is just a heck of a football player. And I think someone tweeted that they laughed when they saw Tommy Tremble's page because they saw all the stamps on it. And I had the exact same reaction when I first saw that page. It's so crowded because we all are trying to put our stamp on this guy. And he's just just a good football player. Man. He's, you know, five, six, seven years from now, we might be looking at back at this draft class and saying, why did Tommy, why did Tommy Tremble last until the 60s? Yeah, and I didn't even think it's just us working on the Casey draft guide. I mean, if there was one guy in all of college football right now that I think the most people would consider their guy, Tommy Trimble would be right up there at the top just because everybody that watches him loves him. I've said it before. It's really hard not to enjoy a very athletic tight end who is a great blocker, who works his butt off as a blocker, does it in line, out in space. And then when you, the few times you see him actually run routes, he looks like an athlete. Like everybody's just going to be sucked into that kind of player, especially after, you know, the success that George Kittle has had for the 49ers. So that's, I have zero complaints taking him at the end of the second round. I would obviously love to get him at the end of day two because there's not any production, but you get him at the end of the second round, you feel good about how good he's or how well he's going to help your team this upcoming season and the ceiling. I tried to be realistic with it because I, I don't think he's there at 94, frankly. Um, and so I think it's also kind of fun to reach a little bit 
on some guys just to try to set more realistic expectations. That's kind of why we do that top five knockoff thing. Just trying to set realistic expectations so it doesn't just look like we're just picking the absolutely perfect scenario for the Chiefs. Okay, pick 94. I'm up first, and I am now addressing defense, and I'm addressing the edge position. And I am going with a swing of my own. I think on a guy that we currently have in the top 50 in the KC draft guide sitting there late forties right now. Um, it's edge prospect Jordan Smith out of UAB. And he's a guy we've talked a lot about. I think there's a really quality athletic profile in this guy. Um, I think he showed some really good fluidity off the edge. I think he's a guy that can absolutely turn the corner. Um, he definitely can bend. He's got a little bit of explosion to him. Desirable length. A lot of the qualities that Steve Spagnuolo likes, um, and some pass rush juice. Uh, I do think that, you know, I don't want to say he's entirely slept on. I think we're probably higher on him from a talent perspective. There's also some questions about his off field that um, might ultimately drop him as well. And maybe part of the reason that his projections are baked in a little bit hot, lower uh, than where we're at with him too. But I think the talent's very real for a guy. And I think, you know, this is this, I think George Smith's a guy, if you can get him at 94 has a chance uh, to be a really quality contributor in year one, uh, in a, at a pick that's you know close to outside the top 100, I think this guy could really be good value moving forward. Yep, I have no issues with that. That pick's kind of I, I don't know, kind of, I don't I don't think I'm as high on him as some as you guys are. But if you want to take him at 94, uh, I don't have a problem with that. And roll with it, man. Roll with it. Uh, it, it, it addresses a need I think is decent value so um, I wouldn't be like doing backflips over that pick if that was what the Chiefs did at 94 but I would um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate it either so cool that's that's kind of just my reaction to it cool do it every draft has those <laughs> yeah 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 and sometimes those end up being the best guys Willie Gay cool Jordan Smith for me and he's the guy I probably have you know led the being super high on for us here and it's it's interesting because I usually am not the one to overgrade guys based on pure flashes. I like to see a lot more consistency in a guy's play and not just the high-end flashes. And Jordan Smith is like the opposite of that. It's the fact that what he has done at his best, his 10 best, his 20 best plays, however you want to phrase it, are really good. They show you everything you want, and it's done in a very tall, linear, long frame. So that's how he got such a high grade. I absolutely don't expect him to go in the top 50 once you start to work in, you know, why he was suspended at Florida, why he had the transfer. He clearly has some work to do to not only develop his game, but to work on his body to get it ready for the NFL. But at the end of the day, I would not be surprised if you say a non-first-round edge that has the best career from this draft, if it comes out to be Jordan Smith, absolutely not shocked at all because this, all of the flashes, the profile, it's all right there. And that's he's an exceptional swing at 94, if I say so myself. Uh, that's just kind of how I look like that. I think that's the perfect range for him, for you to take a swing on this kind of guy. All right, Jake, pick 94. Where are you going? Um, I stayed, well, I guess I went to the North and I took uh, cornerback Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota in this spot. Uh, tall, long, uh, tested really well, tested better than I thought he would test. Uh, and I just think, you know, when you're looking at a Spags type corner, I think he fits what they would ask him to do really well. And when, when you're getting to this range at 94, if I'm the Chiefs and I have to rely on St. Juice for any, you know, extended period of time next season, 
Um, I think I'm okay with that. And I think when you get to this point in the draft and you start asking questions like that, like if this kid has to play, can't does he fit what we want him to do? And can we still do what we want to do with him on the field? And I think when the answer is yes, um, that's when you're looking at really good value. Um, so I went ahead and made the pick here for Benjamin St. Juice. I like him here. He's one of my favorite kind of earlier mid-round cornerbacks because he's one of the few boundary guys with size, with length that are left. I really like his ability to play at the line of scrimmage. think he'd fit great with the Chiefs. Even if he doesn't have to play year one because the Chiefs are pushing Legereus Sneed outside, you know, somebody still, maybe Sneed kicks back the inside and St. Juice has to come in and play on the outside as the third cornerback on the field. Worst case scenario, he takes over for Charvarius Ward the following season and you get an improvement, you know, out of that cornerback two spot. So I, I this is a great pick all around. I think he's a guy that if, you know, if we had had more time, uh, maybe we got his athletic testing into the grading scale. He's even a hot, little higher than he is right now. I think he's somewhere in the 140-ish range. That might have jumped even a little bit higher if uh, if we had gotten his athletic testing into the into the whole process. But his testing around the cutoff for when we had to to stop with some of the scales and stuff. I don't know. He might he might have bumped up a little bit higher too. All right, Maddie, where are you going here? Pick ninety four. Close this thing out. Well, I'm continuing my trend. We're drafting all five-star high school recruits, and we are taking offensive lineman out of Clemson, Jackson Carmen. And this is my single. This is my guy that covers for Walker Little, maybe not being ready to start the year. He can play tackle. He has played tackle at Clemson, you know, for the last three seasons. He's been a very good tackle for Clemson. I like him better on the inside, or at the very least, you know, not as a tackle and vertical passing team, but he can do it. I think he can functionally play tackle, especially in a pinch. You try him out. You let him compete at these tackle spots. Maybe he's your best left tackle. Maybe he's your best right tackle. Worst case scenario, he's your starting right guard on the interior going forward that next season once Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Kyle Long are both gone. I don't want to draft an interior offensive lineman, especially a guard, you know, in the first round and the second round, but right inside the very end of the top 100, yeah, I'll take, go ahead and draft a future offensive guard, and that's either him, that's Niang. I just like the single pick here after taking such big risks from the beginning. This is very easily my favorite pick in this exercise we've done um i think this is exceptional value i do very much similarly like the the player jackson carmen does come in with only 32 and a half inch arms another guy that he's he's part of that year of the t-rex where all these guys these these tackles have really short arms that don't fit the minimum thresholds that a lot of these teams hold minimum thresholds of you know, there's a lot of teams that have that 33-inch benchmark, and some of these guys just don't fit it, and Jackson Carmen's one of them. But um, I do think this is probably my favorite pick. Maddie. I'm, I'm just going to say, like, I think you have my favorite draft here. I also think this is the least realistic, even though we still, pr like, did this whole exercise. I would still say of all the, like, I think this is the least realistic, even doing the five off the top. Not criticizing you, obviously, in any way, shape, or form. But you do have my favorite draft to this point, And I love closing it out with Jackson Carmen. Yes. I, I like that pick as well. I like the process here with taking Walker little in the second and then kind of insulating yourself with someone that maybe does have a little bit lower of a ceiling, but you think he can come in and play and be, you know, a, a you know, a, a replacement level type player for you right away. Um, I think also when you just kind of unpack this entire 
exercise that we did. And now that all the picks are in front of us, two things stand out to me. And one is that none of us took just a, a pure skill position player in the top three picks. Uh, Tommy Tremble being the closest thing to that. But Tommy Tremble is, you know, kind of a throwback blocking tight end that you hope has some athleticism in the passing game. And then also, I, I think each one of us took an, a, a versatile offensive lineman um, that you hope can play somewhere. Uh, but they may kick inside somewhere else to eventually play. Um, so I just think it's interesting to look at that process and kind of say like, hey, we're kind of all in the same headspace as far as maybe not individual names that we're talking about, but specific skill sets of players and what they're looking for. So um, that stands out to me. And I think that's that might even be more uh, more of a takeaway than the names and positions you know that we see in this draft is you know process, the process that we think the Chiefs may potentially – um, be taking. And I wanted to address the wide receiver thing because I think the Chiefs absolutely positively need a wide receiver too. The issue is every time my kind of picks came up, it was just the guys that were left were a little bit more slot heavy guys, guys that you don't necessarily want to play outside as a possession receiver, especially early on, which made their value compared to some other guys just a little bit lower given the Chiefs already have like three slot receivers on the roster. So it wasn't until the third round where I felt comfortable that I was just like, okay, let's see what receivers here. Maybe I'll force a need. But when I looked at the guys that were left, I kind of liked, you know, a handful of guys that were a little bit down the board that I think you have a good chance to get somebody in round four of this draft class because just this is a deeper wide receiver class. I just didn't love the outside guys early on. Yeah, no, I, I logic makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I'd rather, I mean, it, it's not like, you know, Matty, you addressed a bunch of different needs still too like this team has a lot more than just wide receiver needs even though i think that that the right situation happens they could they could grab one as early as 31 for sure all right that is going to do it for the ap draft show thank you guys so much for listening we will be back with the ap laboratory on friday gum.co slash casey draft guide 21 to buy the casey draft guide thank you so much we'll catch you later